Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin and Austin is gone. (laughs) He's gone. He is gone. Austin is off of the Amalfi Coast right now on his yacht on vacation. He said, do not bother him. But with me today is Chris Moxley, one of the founders of C2C at Chris Moxley 19. Chris, I appreciate you joining me and filling in for Austin while he's away. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I've been trying to get on the show for a while. I've, I've had the, um, like you, in the off season, y'all do your predictions or whatever. I've been mm-hmm. on one of those for like five or 10 minutes, but, but I'm actually getting in the show now. And all it took was Austin gallivanting around the world, which is very common. So it is. Yeah. You know, this is, this has been a recurring theme here. Um, one of the other founders at the site, I'm not going to say any names, um, they have mentioned that they have not been invited on this show either, uh, beside, beyond just one of the two, uh, you know, five, 10 minute uh, predictions, things that we do in the summer closer to the season. So I just want to get it out there. This is this is not on me. Uh, Campus Life is, is the one that Austin runs. He's typically the one who invites guests. So I, I did not realize that this was going to create any, uh, you know, animosity at all and, and a little bit of you know uh jealousy for for asking you on but i just want to point it out that it's not on me that's true i i have been on cam bound though which is mm-hmm. i mean that's your responsibility it is, so yeah. i do know it's not coming from you mm-hmm. yeah uh, i know other, exactly where to point my finger yeah the, the other person has also been on, on canton bound as well so you know again not not on me um but no in, very innocent it, in fairness, I will say that Austin disappears from Canton Bound more often than I disappear from campus life. So I do have to get more guests to fill in for, for Austin. So that so is not not only is he not inviting us on, but uh-huh. he also is skipping out on the other show at a much higher rate. Gotcha. I mean, your words. I'm just not mine. I, I, think, <laughs> I was just, I was just speaking. I'm just facts, laying actually. out. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just laying out the facts here as well. You know, just, just kind of. If you go back and somebody were to add up the episodes that he missed and the episodes that I missed, um, I don't know what the tally would be, but I have a pretty good idea uh, of who has missed more, more shows. Facts, no opinions. Exactly. That's all we bring on this show. Uh, and I am bringing on Chris Moxley here to talk some CFF in your C2C leagues here. You know, we Austin and I have both said we're we're not CFF experts. You know, we've been playing, we've been dabbling for a few years now, uh, but we are are far from experts. So we're bringing you on, talking some CFF. We're going to talk some non-obvious offenses we're targeting for production this year. Uh, we're going to talk about some CFF only players who are too cheap right now. And then we're going to talk some CFF only players who have some underrated Devi potential. A la, you know, Tajay Spears and Tank Dell. Maybe these guys go a little bit earlier than we're thinking uh, come draft time when they come around here. But before we dive into that, Chris, I know you're the housekeeping guy on Devi debate. I won't make you do that here today. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, check out campusdecanton.com, our parent website. Uh, things are really picking up over there here this offseason. 
Pre-orders for the CFF guide are live now. So you can go over there, pre-order the CFF guide for $20, and it will be in your inbox on July 1st, the minute it is released. You guys have been cruising through that CFF guide. How uh, how, how close are you guys to done? You guys got to be just about wrapped up, right? Putting some finishing yeah. touches on. Finishing finishing touches. Um, and you know we have we have a couple player profiles still left to write, but you know we're we've knocked out 133 teams. I mean the, the team has been really really fantastic. I mean so many great people on our CFF team that have contributed to that guide. That it's gonna it's gonna be really good. I think this year. Nice, nice. Love hearing that. That's one of my favorite to read every year. And, and you know, we talk about that, Austin and I, uh, where, like I said, we're not as ver- well versed in CFF. So this is really beneficial. It's also a really nice breakdown of all it was 133 teams now. 133 teams. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. No, we try to provide the depth chart and key statistics and all, all that in addition to player player write ups. Um, you know, I think we're even talking about some changes we want to make for next year to make it even better. Um, I think we're going to have an expanded analytics section this year. So a lot of, like keep, we keep trying to iterate it. And I, I think that the team is working super hard um, to get that stuff together. So it's it's been a fun process. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, I, you know, like to get a, a sneak peek occasionally. If, uh, if you guys drop something, Jared dropped something in the discord this weekend. So if you're in the discord, uh, and you want to go check out a sneak peek of one of the previews and uh, a couple of the players that write up. I think it was positions. NIL only, though. So, again, got to be in that NIL chat to get to get the goods. You do. You do. All right. Well, uh, the CFF guide going to be released on July 1st. But the Devi guide, Freshman Supplemental Guide, those are both available right now. You can go purchase those over at the site. I know there's a lot of supplemental drafts kicking off, uh, some Devi drafts kicking off. I have one starting in two weeks in one that Austin runs, a Debbie draft. So I will be using that uh, guide for that draft. If you have a draft coming up, go get your copy of the Debbie guide, the freshman supplemental guide over at the site for $20. Uh, If you're an NIL member, we have been working through those one-on-one meetings Been scheduled to break down your rosters. Uh, If you have not had your meeting yet with us, reach out. Uh, There should be a Google form in the discord for you. Uh, we'll get that scheduled uh, up, but I think we we are through most of those, right? You've been helping out with some of those. Yeah, I've been on some some good ones. Um, you know, I just love talking. I I kind of go on and I'm like, hey, here's a guy who's not going drafted in like 60 rounds. This is why you should take him. Um, that's kind of my role in it all, and and some some strategy conversations. But I I mean, I have a ton of fun with those every year. I just think it's a really cool opportunity for us to interact with um, our NIL folks and and really have a like some fun roster conversations as well as just being able to like get to know them. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of people in that NIL chat are, are really good people and they're all really knowledge college football fans. So it's just fun, fun, honestly, to talk. And, you know, so some of my favorite conversations that we have each year. Yeah, I'm really excited. So I haven't been on any of those yet. I've been slacking. Uh, May was a, a pretty busy month for me and that's when we had most of those, but I do have one coming up next week. Um, big, big Memorial day on. fan. Yeah, yeah, we we huge Memorial Day. Uh, a lot of, we, we lot of plans. Yeah, do something to kick off the summer, you know. Uh, but I'll be on one of those, so I'm excited for that one. Uh, and then, lastly, we are now partnered with Home Field Apparel. I'm a big fan of the Home Field Apparel stuff. I put my order in. Uh, it is on the way. I'm very excited. 
to get two new shirts for that. Um, if you are also a home field apparel fan, uh, we have good news. You can use promo code CAMPUS2CANTON for 15% off of your order. Uh, it is just for first-time customers. It's one-time use. Uh, so if you're checking out the collection, even thinking about buying something, use promo code CAMPUS, the number two, Canton. Get 15% off of your order and, and make sure it's a, it's a big one. Really take advantage of that. I know Austin is loading up uh, his cart, getting ready for you know six, seven items. Uh, he also mentioned he's going to create several different email addresses so he can use the code again and again. Exactly. Again. If you've if you've already signed up, like I have, I have a bunch of home field apparel. You do. I almost everyone, like I know, does. It, it's it's yeah. <laughs> like super comfy, super cool designs. Just create a fake email. That's all you got to yep. do. I, I I mean, you or use your wife. That's what I did. Or yeah, your maybe your wife wants some, and you can tack on to their order or yeah. partner. Who yes, has, yes, someone partner. special in your life, or yes. maybe someone not special that you just want to share your home field apparel with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my my wife uh, went to Pitt and Syracuse, so she's a big she's a big Syracuse fan. Uh, we've gone to a couple basketball games, um, so she actually got a shirt as well, a little out of the orange. So somebody special in your life, you know, you use their email address, get them something too. But we will dive into the show here. We'll start off with two non-obvious offenses that we are targeting for CFF production. I've talked enough to kick this show off. Chris, I'll let you go first. Plus, you know, you're the guy that people want to hear about CFF from anyway. All right. Uh, I'm in Colorado State this year. I, I think that the program was horrendously bad last year in a way that I don't think could possibly be replicated. Uh, a lot of that was offensive line play. They were 131st in passing down sack rate. So like on passing downs, 20% of those snaps ended in sacks. That's horrendous. They bring in three pretty good high end FCS transfers, Savion Henderson, uh, Drew Moss and Oliver Jervis, who I think um, in the respective conferences, they had all been like all conference at some point. So these are good players um they can also move around the line a little bit because they were hodgepodge last year but let's assume that does improve right i think you're going to see a massive jump so clay millen ranked first in deep passing adjusted accuracy last year 48 percent big time throw rate also first he only passed he only attempted like 33 deep passes like he has the arm to do so and because the offensive line was so bad they couldn't keep him upright long enough to run it that way also only attempts 23.4 passes per game, which is 16 to 20, depending on the year, lower than what Jordan Norvell usually has per game at the quarterback. I just think this, like, this offense is going to possibly like double its passing production next year. There's, there's so many things to like. And just assume that the 44% neutral game script pass rate, which is pretty low, is going to be 20% higher because that's the average of Jay Norvell and his office coordinator is Matt Mummy, who's the son of the Air Raid founder. They're going to pass 20% more. That's a huge boon for all your CFF options on this offense. Yeah, I mean, we were we were pretty in on Colorado State as an offense last year since they were, you know, so productive at, that, at Nevada and they basically took the Nevada offense and moved it to Colorado, uh, to Fort Collins. So we were pretty high on them last year. We just were not anticipating that offensive line being just the worst offensive line in the country or, or second worst. 
Yeah. And, and Steve Adazio screwed this program too. So, right. Like they didn't basically had no depth coming in. Nevada brought their entire offense over. And then you had like a disaster. Like it was, it was a disaster. This year should be much better. And I think two years, three years down the line, it's going to be the same um, high end system that we had at Nevada. Possibly better. Colorado state has like double the football budget Nevada does. So you might get higher end recruit recruits, like better players period coming into this program. Like I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and they've had uh, Colorado State has actually had a a pretty strong lineage of wide receivers that have come from there, even before the Jay Norvell and Matt Mummy air raid offense came through there. You know, we had a massive year from Tory Horton last year, and spoiler alert, he's a guy who's going to come up later on in the show. Uh, so, I mean, I, there's already some pieces there. And there's already like a little bit of a history there with Colorado State, so yeah, I, I think that this is a this is a great post hype sleeper offense to target. My offense is also a post hype sleeper offense. Um, Utah State, uh, Utah State in 2021 had a phenomenal year. They finished ranked inside the top 25. They won the Mountain West Conference. Uh, they were they were they were cruising. They were flying high. Last year, 2022, very disappointing year. Uh, Blake Anderson, the head coach, uh, has a 53.3% neutral game script pass rate the last five years, which is well above average for the league. Last year, and th that, that number includes last year. Last year, his uh, pass rate and neutral game pass script rate, 39.7%, way below his average. Last year, they were the 28th lowest passing rate team uh, in the country. Um, same as Pitt and Mr. We need to run the ball more, even though we had a Heisman trophy, uh, candidate in Kenny Pickett. Um, they were the 17th worst in pass EPA per play last year. And that was the worst of Blake Anderson's career. Last year was their lowest number of plays per game in Anderson's career, 66.4, which was five fewer plays per game than his next lowest and 8.3 plays per game below his nine-year average. They were uh, Utah State was 104th in points per game. It, last year, they were 33rd in 2021. Ten-point difference uh, from 2021 to 2022. They had, you know, it wasn't the easiest schedule. They did have Alabama on there, and this year they get Iowa in the non-con, but then they get Idaho State, James Madison, and UConn, and then the rest of the Mountain West schedule. So this offense should be better. I don't think that I think this is similar to Colorado state where this was the worst year of Blake Anderson's career, essentially offensively um, in terms of passing. And I think Cooper Lega, the quarterback wasn't the problem. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure what the problem was. Their offensive line wasn't great, but it wasn't Colorado state bad either. Cooper Lega, 61% uh, completion percentage, 71% adjusted completion percentage on PFF. Um, they He had 108 rush attempts last year, too. Um, and he only had uh, 398 pass attempts, which is about 50 less than Anderson's average pass attempts per year. Um, so I, Cooper Lega is not currently being drafted in our CFF ADP or the C2C ADP. I think he's a, he's a guy who's going to be way too cheap. He's going to help you out this year. And then their number one wide receiver as well, Terrell Vaughn. 
uh, is, is going to be a stud. Um, in 2019, 2020, and 2021, Blake Anderson's number one wide receiver points per game, 25, 23, and 22. Last year, it was 13 points per game. It's way below average. He's going to target the best wide receiver on the team. Some years it's the slot, like Devin Tompkins in 2021 at Utah State. It was Kirk Merritt at Arkansas State, where Blake Anderson was before Utah State. Uh, other years, you know, last year, Brian Cobbs was the most heavily targeted wide receiver. He had had over 100 targets. Omar Bayless, Jonathan Adams Jr. were also outside wide receivers who got targeted in Blake Anderson's offense. So there's no really like an inside versus outside. He's just going to target the best wide receiver. And Terrell Vaughn is the only wide receiver coming back who has more than 11 receptions. So I think Terrell Vaughn's going to eat this year too. Yeah, Vaughn's actually Vaughn's actually being drafted. Uh, but like not early, he's going, he's still going pretty late. Yeah. 147 for CFF (laughs) ADP, which is in the 12th round. Um, no, no C2C ADP. It's a, it's good value. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm targeting this offense here. I think, uh, I don't think there's any way they're going to be worse of a passing offense than than they were last year. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I agree. I'm with you. I think Legal wins the job, not Levi Williams stinks. So, yeah, Levi Williams, Wyoming <laughs> <argument>. transfer. <laughs> I mean, is he even like a real quarterback? He just kind of runs. Oh, Some might say that about Cooper Lagasse. You better watch your mouth. Uh, he did run 108 <laughs> times. He did run 108 times. True, true. Very fair. But like right. I said, Legal wasn't that bad of a passer. No, he just, he's okay. He's, 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 fine. Comp- he's fine. Yeah. Um, who's um, your other offense? San Jose State. Uh, so we're just go- we're all Mountain West themed today. Oh yeah. Uh, apparently, and I didn't realize that until now <laughs> that like I have a lot of Mountain West on here. Still have a lot of Mountain West on here. By <laughs> by the way, um, so this San Jose State team has basically had one of the best defensive lines I think in the group of five for the last handful of years. Um, Valami Fajoko and Cal Harmon were both three-time All-Mountain West first-teamers. Uh, they lose those guys, and they lose um, another defensive lineman. So they lose their three best players. They don't really replace them with a ton of experience. Um, the defense, which was really good, basically held back the offense, is, is the thesis of this this argument, right? The, the offense wasn't great last year, 87th in EPA per play, uh, 72nd points per opportunity, but they took a step back and we probably should have seen it coming. And we didn't, cause we were ranking Siobhan Cordero extremely high and he finished quarterback 33. And I think we should have kind of seen it coming. Maybe um, they lost four offensive linemen who had been there for a really long time heading into 2022. They bring back um, eight linemen who played 120 plus snaps and five who played a 530 plus snaps. And they bring in two players who were injured. I think you're going to see a lot more productivity out of this offense, possibly forced productivity too, because I think the defense is just going to hold them back a, a bunch. Um, so, like, hold them back, as in defense, hold them back, but probably good for the for the, for the offense. Um, I think it's going to take a huge, huge step back. Um, so, I like Cordero. I think he's going to pass a lot more. Um, I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better. He lost 300 yards to sack yardage. So you're going to see, I think at least some of that come back that should help him. Um, 
the players on this team I'm pretty interested in too, right? So we already know that we like Justin Lockhart, who's the wide receiver one. I think Charles Ross is kind of interesting. He had 20 targets in his last in his four games prior to injury. Um, he should have a full-time slot role with Jermaine Braddock leaving. Uh, we also like Dominic uh, Maziotti, who had like 186 yards and three touchdowns on 28 targets in five games. So, I mean, his 5.6 targets per game uh, in his last five would be third among returning tight ends. So, like, he's going to be heavily involved. He doesn't block 85% route participation rate for Maziotti. So, I think you're, there's a lot to like about this offense. Yeah, so my, my question with Maziotti is... Or is he somebody that's going like way too cheap in, in drafts right now? Because he's not somebody that I really even had on my radar um, earlier in the offseason. I know um, Froton wrote a piece on tight ends recently. Eric Froton of, of NBC Sports Edge wrote a really nice piece on CFF targets, uh, tight ends. Uh, and I've heard you guys in the CFF chat float that name around. But he's not somebody that I have ranked. Is that a, is that a mistake on my end? I'm actually the only one who has him ranked uh, in the CFF ranks as well. Uh, tight end 53. And I actually think that's way too low. Um, I didn't even real. He, he will be moving up my ranks based on the, the research that I did, um, which was essentially when you have 28 targets in your last five games, I'm going to move you up. Um, they run a bunch of two tight end sets. Like that's kind of a, a, a really big part of Kevin McGivers scheme. Um which is also the second year for this entire offense learning this scheme. So I, I think that there's um, improvement from that aspect as well, but two tight end, a lot of two tight end sets. Sam Olson also plays a lot. I'm not really worried about it as much. I, I really like Maziotti. Um, definitely a tight end 53. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Like I said, this is Maziotti is definitely somebody that I, I'm too low on, but I, I'm with you on the rest of the, uh, the San Jose state offense. You know, you say Cordero was a guy that we were hyping up a little bit last year and, you know, he wasn't disappointed. He was maybe a little disappointing, but he still he was solid. Uh, I think he could have a big year this year too. And then Justin Lockhart, I'm definitely in on. And he's Lockhart's a guy available in a lot of uh, C2C supplemental drafts. I've scooped him up in a couple places this offseason. Yeah, I, I I like him a lot. Um, Elijah Cooks was really productive for this team last year. I think Lockhart also operates on the outside. I think he could slide into the like wider, true wide receiver one role. I think he's by far the best receiver in this team. Although I wouldn't sleep on Charles Ross, depending how deep your league is. Cause I mean, he was involved and they want to use him in the slot. Okay. Good to know. Charles Ross uh, could be the number two guy that we're looking at there in that offense. My next offense here, we're, we're getting out of the mountain West. Um, I'm keeping my, a little bit higher level I'm not, for, for now, for now, for now, for now. We're coming uh, back. <laughs> my the offense that I am targeting for production this year is Kansas State. Uh, they were they were good last year. Uh, 48th in um, plays per game, 40th in offensive EPA per play. Uh, so you know they were a pretty efficient offense. They're returning all five offensive line starters, so that should be a strong unit up front. Uh, the last year. They did have a very low pass rate, 42.9%. It was the 24th lowest. They had the 14th most rush attempts in the country last year. But they lose Deuce Vaughn, who was the focal point of that offense. He was their do-it-all guy. Um, he was the guy you wanted for CFF because they really consolidated those touches through him. Um, but he's gone. Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator, is a former quarterback. Um, and I think he's going to really help unlock Will Howard at quarterback. So they had Adrian Martinez to start the year at quarterback, and then Adrian Martinez got hurt. 
Will Howard steps in. He actually finishes the QB 35 in points per game last year. So he was pretty solid. Um, he's a good QB. He doesn't currently have uh, an ADP for C2C leagues. Uh, CFF, he's going at, at 192.2, the QB 55 off the board. But he was actually, he was efficient last year. He's uh, 0.41 EPA per play, which is above the magic line on our charts for a third year QB. So that was a good number. You like to see that. And then 8.85 adjusted yards per attempt, which was also above the magic line on there too. And that was with a lot of checkdowns to Voss, uh, Deuce Vaughn as well. So I think they're going to open this offense up a little bit more. They're going to give Howard a little bit more control. I don't foresee them running uh, at the 14th highest rate in the country again. They also bring in Keegan Johnson, the wide receiver transfer from Iowa. I've talked about him before, so I'm not going to go too in-depth, but he's a guy that I like for CFF and a guy that I like for Debbie. Uh, he doesn't have C2C ADP right now or CFF ADP. So he's going under the radar in both of those leagues. Um, Treshawn Ward at the running back position, DJ Giddens also at the running back position. It sounds like that's might be a little bit more of a one-two punch, uh, than what we saw with Vaughn Ward is going as the RB 59 in C2C 148.3, although he has not been drafted in May or April and in CFF, uh, he's going as the at ADP of 58.8 RB 22, although that has dropped in May. So he's not really under the radar, but DJ Giddens has only been drafted once this offseason. That was in April at 193. I think he's going too cheap right now, especially given that this could be a one-two punch. And then I also like the tight end, Ben Sinote. Um, he has no C2C ADP. CFF, he's going as tight end 28 uh, at 196.4, but he was not drafted at all in May. He finished last year as the tight end 36. But he finished the season pretty hot. So he had, in his last five games, he had 27.9, 17.5, 2.1, 11.2, and 7.8 fantasy points. He had two games in there with 10 and 9 targets. Uh, and then that uh, article by Eric Froton over on NBC Sports Edge that I mentioned, um, Sonote is top 10 in returning tight ends in ADOT with 10.5. So he's used down the field as well. So... I think all of these guys, except for Ward, Ward is probably going a little too early. The rest, I think, are going to be values. Yeah, and I think it's pronounced Sanat. I actually don't don't know if it's Sanat or Sanat, but I I'm just no going to go with Sanat because that sounds right. I just right. roll with it. Um, he's listed as a fullback in uh, a primary position as a fullback in Fantrax leagues right now. By the way, so like it. It, 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 just make sure that you're keeping yeah. an eye on that because he shows up as gray. You're like, what position is gray? It's it's fullback. He's he okay. traditionally played like more of the H back role. He's his number is 38. So like I think you, you like you put it all together. That's kind of what what the dealio is. Um, but yeah, he I like had, I like him too. RB tight end in a couple of the ones that I had seen him in. So yeah, he had yeah. I, so make sure he has tight end eligibility. So he definitely he, he no he definitely does just make sure that there's not a weird rule in your league about like primary position and whatnot like okay. that that can mess you up but yeah he goes in a lot of the best balls that I'm in um which are like two tight ends but he goes I mean he's definitely a player that needs to be drafted higher than he is yeah and like I said I didn't dive quite as deep uh you know I kept a little more surface level with Kansas State but that that is an offense that uh, I think should be pretty productive this year um, but in terms of players. 
who are too cheap. We talked some offenses, but who are some CFF players who are currently going too cheap right now? Uh, and I'm assuming a lot of these guys won't have ADPs in C2C startup mocks that we do since it's only 20 rounds. So we are kind of using some CFF ADP with this. Yeah, but yeah, all of all of mine are uh, CFF ADP, and I'm not sure if you're going to C2C, you're right. Uh, I'll right, kick it off, though. Can we, can, we, can, we stay in the, can we stay in the Mountain West? I suppose so. I'm, okay, because I I don't even know how this happened. This is not like a <laughs> mandate from, from Colin or anything. This is just I happen to be thinking about these teams recently, um, writing some stuff on the Mountain West, and like they all came to mind, and I think the conference overall is underrated, and I have a whole... I have a theory about that, which is essentially like nobody watches these teams play because they play so late at night that like you're not actually watching these players score massive points. You just see it in the morning. And it's like a good point. And there's an element of like cognitive dis- dissonance about the Mountain West. Anyway, I'm going to Hawaii and I'm going way to Braden Shager. Way out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Shager, who goes quarterback, he's ranked quarterback 68 and he goes quarterback 71 in our ADP. So pretty close. Um, Year two of the air raid. So last year, they really didn't get, into, get to implement a lot of the concepts that they wanted to um, under Timmy Chang. And he talked about that extensively in spring. He's like, we actually got to do what we want to do this year. Um, Ian Shoemaker come, came in from Eastern Washington last year. Like, he's an air raid guy. Um, they were 50. Their neutral games pass rate is 52%. It should be 60 plus, despite it being like them ranking 30th. They should be passing like 8 to 10% more a game just based on the fundamentals that. Um, a of the area offense and B what Shoemaker did. Shoemaker also ran a really fast offense. Like pace and tempo was really important to him at Eastern Washington. Um, they ranked ninth in plays per game versus the FBS in 2021. So like I kind of like slotted it in. Um, it's like they're top 10, essentially pace what his offense did at Eastern Washington compared to it. It would have done the FBS one-to-one, you know what I mean? Um, but last year they ranked 105th in plays per minute or plays per second. And that was, like really low compared to what they want to do. And I don't think they had the system down to the point where they could actually run, like not thinking about it, like 27 seconds, 22 seconds between plays. They just didn't have the personnel, the implementation to do so. So I think we're going to see a bounce back from Shager. Then we're going to see a bounce back from this whole offense. There's a lot of pieces that I want to be investing here, especially at value receiver room, Jalen Walthall and Jonah Pinoke. I'm a Pinoke fan. Um, I know a lot of people also like Walthall. Um, I think both are draftable, and then the running back position is someone that might come up later, perhaps more more Mountain <laughs> maybe, West and Hawaii. Maybe there uh, there might be a little more Mountain West talk on the way as well. I like the the call with Shager. He's a guy that I was looking at last year. I took him at the end of drafts, real cheap. Um, but like you said, it just they 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 didn't have the the time and the personnel to be able to run what they wanted to run. So I know a lot of people, and, and I dropped him in, in one or two leagues, but I know a lot of people have dropped Shager. So he is very likely available in your supplemental uh, drafts. And He's the I perfect think- quarterback four, five for your team. Yeah. Like the upside yeah. is tremendous if the offense clicks and actually runs an air raid system. You know Hawaii's defense stinks. They're like 10, they're 18 point dogs to Vanderbilt and 10 point dogs to Stanford to open the year. Like these offenses are going to have to freaking throw. So if it clicks, you have a player who's going to be passing 40 to 50 times a game. Just saying perfect upside quarterback for your bench. Exactly. And, and it's not even, there is an element of if it clicks, but we've seen Timmy Chang run this offense effectively before. 
So himself, he ran yeah. himself. I don't really have too many questions as to whether he can get this clicking uh, in year two. I think this is going to be a, a a big jump up for them. And, and you know, like I said, there may be a, a little more Hawaii talk coming later on. Is QB 71 too low for Shager? Way too low. Way too low. So, yeah. I mean, she, he should be probably be going in the 40s, right? Mid, like mid, yeah, like for, for 45-ish? Yeah. Like, yeah, I would... I would say so, for, especially for CFF, um, for for C two C, I think yeah, probably like fifties to sixties, um, yeah. because I, I mean I think he has two years left, right? Oh, don't not don't get me started. Sure he might that. have he might have three, but he I think he okay. definitely has at least two. Okay, I'm so bad. I'm so I'm I'm really bad with the players who are not Everybody's. in in the <laughs> with the COVID stuff. Oh man. But um, but yeah, he you could get more than one season out of him, even if you want to treat it as one season. Like I yeah. still have no issue drafting him where he goes, and probably a little bit higher because he just like he goes around twenty to twenty five of the CFF best balls on it. Like that's a great value. Yeah, yeah. Um, the quarterback that I think is going too cheap right now, uh, Byron Brown, quarterback for USF. Uh, he got in last year as a true freshman, two starts. Um, at the end of the year, he, in his first start, he went 21 of 25 with an 84% completion percentage, which broke USF's freshman record, uh, 243 yards. Uh, he had no touchdowns, um, or no interceptions, uh, three touchdowns and he had 12 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown on the ground as well for 35 fantasy points. The next start 13 of 20. Uh, 65% completion percentage for 140 yards, a touchdown and a pick uh, 15 carries 109 yards and two touchdowns on the ground as well. Did have two fumbles. So three turnovers in that game, not great, but he had 26 fantasy points and that's what we care about. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing him being worse. I mean, obviously, you know, this is small sample size, two games. He's not going to average um, quick math off the top of my head. What is that? Like 30, fantasy points a game. He's not going to average that, you know, but I have a hard time seeing him be worse this coming year than he was last year. Um, just in terms of the, the offense. I mean, Alex Golish comes in it's from the Josh Heupel tree. It's probably going to take him a while to implement that offense. Like, I don't think that offense as a whole is going to be particularly good this year. They don't really have the pieces kind of like we were talking about with Hawaii, but Byron Brown was effective in a bad offense last year. I think he can be, just as effective in at least a good scheme. Um, USF's going to be bad as well. So there should be a lot of volume there for him. Now there is like a quarterback battle in air quotes. Jerry Bohannon is still there. He was the starter last year, but he got hurt at the end of the year. He has not practiced this spring. Um, and Byron Brown sounds like he has the leg up. So you'll have to monitor Bohannon. But I do feel pretty good at this point about Byron Brown seizing that role. Uh, and, you know, I know if, if you want to treat it like one year, I think he's going to have a good year this year. But if you do want to look ahead, Byron Brown should have three years of good production. And especially once they get that Alex Golish, Josh Heupel type of an offense instituted. Byron Brown right now going in CFF ADP QB 69. Nice. Uh, 223.5 overall. So he is very cheap. I liked what the offense did last year under Travis Trickett. Um, and I think some of the same elements of that scheme 
are going to uh, be here this year as well. And so I don't think the adjustment is going to be super, super drastic for Brown, which is going to help a lot because you don't have to learn a, you have to learn a new offense, but not to the same level of going from like whatever the heck South Florida was for the last like five years under Jeff Scott. <laughs> um, so I, I, I am tentatively excited about Brown and I think he's going to win this job. Jerry behind it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry and he's hurt. Not- You're right. He, and he's hurt. That's probably <laughs> a better, a better reason. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest problem, my biggest concern is probably the fact that both of their top wide receivers transferred out um, and Joe Horn's son, Jimmy Horn Jr. And uh, Xavier Weaver. Um, So both of those guys transferred out. So I'm not exactly sure who the the guy is going to be there, but I think this offense, uh, we've seen it in a number of different places, be efficient with kind of, you know, revolving pieces at the wide receiver position. So I think they can be okay this year. Yeah. And a lot of his, his upside comes from rushing anyway. Right. So, I mean, you probably just need competency at receiver. Like that's not asking that much. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so who's the, who's the running back you have that you think is going too cheap right now? Listen, I'm staying in conference. This, this is the mountain West On show brand. now. Yeah. Uh, Malik Sherrod. Um, I'm actually surprised how late he's going. I've been taking him like way above ADP. And then I looked at our ADP and I was like, huh, I probably wait a couple rounds on him. <laughs> um, he's going, R- he's currently ranked as RRB 49 in CFF and he's going RB 107 in CFF, which I, I got to double check that cause that can't be right. And then I, I did. So maybe I need to triple check it, honestly. Um, but Jeff Tedford, who's the head coach right now was the one who hired Kalen DeBoer. The ideology in terms of offensive approach, isn't that different? I mean, I think Kalen DeBoer is a much better coach at this time yes. of, you know, <laughs> their respective careers, but Tedford already been there. And we, so we can glean a couple things about his process and the, the ideas that he has. Um, they just want to use their running backs in like bell cow roles, like extensively. So Jordan Mims had 282 touches for 1500 yards. Ronnie rivers averaged over 22 touches per game for his career. Sherrod is t- essentially stepping into that role. He was heavily involved in the spring game, especially in the receiving game. He had a 25-yard touchdown, I think, on the first drive. They're an offense that continually produces RB production, top five in production um, from the position. I think I put an article out last week or like two weeks ago that talked about like which teams to target. Fresno State was near the top, basically in every single category. I He's just going RB49 is just too late. Like, I, th- I feel pretty good about projecting him as an RB4 at minimum and probably an RB3. And that's his floor. I think his upside is like 1,200 yards plus 10 touchdowns plus receiving work. But that wouldn't surprise me. I don't think this offense is going to take a massive step back. I really don't. I think that they're going. They're not going to be as good as they were with Moreno Cropper, Josh Kelly, and Jake Hayner, but they're still going to be pretty good in my opinion. Um, I like the Mikey Keene um, addition. So, I, you know, I think it's going to be good. So there you go. And if it's not good in the passing game, they're just going to hand it to Shrod Moore. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I like Mikey Keene coming in too. I think he's like a competent quarterback. We saw him be okay at UCF. Uh, I think he can do enough to make defenses at least not load the box for Sherrod. But the thing with Sherrod, like you said, is he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game too. So, you know, he's he's going to be a bell cow. I like that call there. He's a guy that I've been targeting in a number of uh, in a number of supplementals as well. Uh, I'm going to stay in the Mountain West. And I'm going to talk Hawaii 
Uh, Tylen Hines running back for Hawaii is the guy that I think is going too cheap right now. He has no C2C ADP. Again, not surprising for any of these guys, given that we only go 20 rounds in our supplemental or in our um, C2C startup mocks. CFF ADP is 191.5, RB94. So he's going very late as well. Um, Diedrich Parsons last year, um, he averaged 14.9 fantasy points per game. He had 217 touches, 30 catches, 1,000 scrimmage yards, 12 touchdowns. He was solid for your team. You know, he wasn't a stud, but that offense was bad last year. That offense is going to be better this year. Uh, and I think Tylen Hines is going to be a big part of it. You know, the wide receiver room, you said they have Pinocchio there. Um, they have a couple other guys. So, you know, the, the offense, the, the wide receivers are going to be solid, but there's no stud. I think they're going to use Tylen Hines in that receiving game. Uh, like I said, Diedrich Parsons had 30 catches last year. Hines, I think, is going to get another 30 catches there. He should run away with the the touch load here, and and he's going way too cheap right now. Yeah, he's essentially like a Calvin Turner type, which is like he's a running that back hybrid. That was there the you go. I was trying to think of Calvin Turner. I was like Day Day Hunter, but he was gone. Who was the other guy? Yeah, I mean, he, they're they're very very similar. They're both receiver running back hybrids. They're both gonna be involved in the rushing game. And I mean, we've seen air raid offenses produce very high touch or high catch um, running backs, right? Like Kylan Hill, Mississippi Mississippi State. Davis Marks, Mississippi State, whoever the dude was at Washington State that everybody's obsessed with in the leech offense, uh, right? Like Borgie. these all, yes, Max Borgie. There's someone before him too. I don't know. But yeah. but these offenses produce running back production because they're so close, they operate so close to the line of scrimmage. Like those are the dump offs on the routes that running backs are generally running. I'm in on Tylen Hines too. Like I like the whole mount. Gloria Navarez, who is the uh, commissioner for the Mountain West, can send a check our way for uh, for hyping up the conference. A lot of free pub for the Mountain West here. But I, I think you're right. There is kind of like an inherent, I don't want to say an inherent bias, but just like people don't really watch these teams as often. I know I'm guilty of that. Um, I don't always stay up to watch Hawaii at 2 a.m. Eastern time or you got you your know. robe on. You got your robe on at like five, <laughs> like 5 p.m. every single day. Like, of course, you're not staying up till 2 a.m. Well, I, I'm usually up to like midnight, one o'clock. I am a night owl. But to watch those Hawaii games, man, you got to be on another level. You're, you're packed. You're packed 12 after dark. You're not quite um, on island time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so wide receiver, you finally finally leave the mountain west uh who are you looking at at wide receiver i'm going back to the well guy that i loved 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 last year i think yeah, i had him in my top 15 or top 12 we never got to see it towards acl trayvon rudolph um he's currently wide receiver 57 who? crc oh sorry tavion randolph oh okay uh <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh felix, a felix sharp special yes um Rudolph is wide receiver 57 in our CFF ranks. I just think that's too low. Like we were expecting him to be uh, like an all conference first team leading the Mac with like a thousand, 1200 receiving yards. Um, when the last time we saw him in 2021, 51 
892 and seven, and he had eight rushing attempts for 113 yards and a touchdown. But his 2.51 receiving yards per team pass attempt is like borderline elite for any player, but really, really good for a second year player. So we know he can be productive. We've seen him be productive in this the context of this offense. Nothing has really fundamentally changed about the way that Northern Illinois is going to operate between his injury, which was prior, I think it was August. Uh, I think we were in Cannes when it happened, actually. I think so. We're yeah. I think we were sitting around the table with some of the some of our CFF friends. And uh, I think we all took the knees kind of kind of tough at the time. Scored yeah. um, one out. Yeah, but uh, we know he's really good. We know he's one of the best returners at the G5 level. 65.4% um, of the receiving target share is gone from last year. So Cole Tucker's gone. Shamar Thornton's gone. That's 12.1 targets per game. That's a lot to lose from this offense. And Rudolph was expected to be the wide receiver one anyway heading into the year. I think he would have been awesome. I still, I'm still... I'm still there. I'm still believing in the talent of who he is. Um, somehow Rocky Lombardi's back. Like, I don't understand how, but he is. Uh, I I could have swore he had no more eligibility left. And then he returned. He found a year. I, I yeah, that one got that one got me early in the offseason. I think he might have another year after this left. I don't I don't even know at this point. Maybe medical redshirt or something. But I really I really like Trayvon Rudolph. I, I think that we're going to see a rebound season from him and I, I think there's reasons to be excited especially at his price point when he was being ranked like 40 spots higher last year and yeah. he should be recovered from his ACL which was um almost you know a year he'll ago. almost yeah almost a year ago yeah it'll be it'll be more than a year by the time the season starts uh and and Rudolph was getting some some power five buzz too at some point points last off season right was that yeah or was that this past he, off season I think it was last off season I mean he's a really talented player yeah. Extreme, like extremely talented player because he's so and he's so good in the special team game. Like, didn't surprise me that power te five teams were sniffing around. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my wide receiver that I think is going too cheap right now is Will Pauling, wide receiver from Wisconsin, transferred in from Cincinnati. He followed Luke Fickle. Um, he is currently going as the CFF wide receiver, one hundred and fifty-five, uh, and he has no ADP in c2c uh i think that's that's far too cheap i mean for the phil longo presumably the slot wide receiver he has been operating in the slot this spring he was running with the first team there were reports he's been the most consistent playmaker as well uh phil longo wide receiver ones have averaged 19.5 fantasy points per game over the last six years and it was even more substantial when you had um josh downs uh, i think it was two years ago it was like 25 fantasy points per game um phil longo will target the best wide receiver but it is typically in the slot you know, aj brown's first year with the longo he was in the slot then he moved him out wide um daz newsome got targeted very heavily early on in phil longo's career at north uh north carolina then diami brown the second year that he was there he was more heavily targeted but daz newsome still very heavily involved josh downs operated out of the slot so we like Phil Longo slot wide receivers. They bring in Tanner Mordecai at quarterback. I think Tanner Mordecai is a competent college quarterback. We've seen some bad play out of him. We've also seen some very good play out of him. I think in terms of college quarterbacks, he's going to be fine. You know, so Phil Longo wide receiver one, competent quarterback play. The big question is what's the volume going to be? You know, they're going to be an offense in transition as well. Are they going to have the pieces to throw as often as they want? I think they do with the guys that they brought in. And I think Will Pauling is going to be the guy who's the big beneficiary there. I 
commend you for taking a stab on a Wisconsin wide receiver because that <laughs> room scares the crap out of me. It does. It is a little scary. Skylar Bell, Kamara DK, CJ Williams, Will Pauling, all of those guys are there. But the most buzz that I've heard has been from Pauling. Yeah, I I, I think so. The CJ Williams had all that like hype, and I think he's a good player. I just I think a lot of the conversation about him is is relying more on like um priors that we had coming into yeah, USC. Yeah. USC rather than um like what we probably have actually have seen. Yeah, I mean Pauling was a wide receiver one. He's a slot guy. I think Mordecai wants to use that position. No, no, no argument for me. I have not drafted him at all though. So <laughs> so maybe I will. Maybe, maybe, maybe I will. I think I took him in one supplemental that i've had so far but he's been in my queue on all of them and he's been in my watch list but wide receiver 155 i mean i think that's just that's just too low it, pro- it probably is it probably is good given everything g- given all the circumstances you laid out the wide receiver one for this offense probably needs to be drafted yeah uh moving into the tight end position your tight end is a little deeper of a cut than mine um mine i mean i'm Tight ends are not my forte like they are yours. CFF, not my forte. So I, I stayed a little shallower. But who's your CFF tight end? I was going to say, you, you've been digging deep. Brown, Hines, I mean, Will Pauling. Those are those those are, those are are deep names. You don't have to go deep every time. That's fine. You don't always have to shoot from deep. You can shoot. <laughs> you can go for layups sometimes. Some people just don't understand that. Um, I have Harold Fannin, uh, Bowling Green tight end. He steps into uh, Christian Sims' role, who is gone. Uh, Sims was averaging 5.3 targets per game, which is a lot of production. Um, and Fenn was already like kind of pretty involved last year as a true freshman. He's got really good athleticism. Um, when we saw him, he was really productive. 0.314 fantasy points per route uh, is like among the top in the country. He just wasn't super involved last year because they had already one of the best group of five tight ends in the country and Christian Sims, who, you know, he lacked NFL size. He was like six, two, six, one ish, maybe. Um, I don't remember <laughs> what he measured in that, but he's short. Uh, I, I think Fannin is a player who's really athletic is going to be involved in the receiving game already. A solid receiver was used as a true freshman, which doesn't happen very often, especially with these Mac teams. A lot of these guys are more developmental, especially someone who is, I think more raw athlete than they are tight end in Fannin's case and tight at 37 is pretty late for CFS. So I've, t- I've taken him a bunch. I think he's going to outperform that Bowling green traditionally has great tight end production. Their top three team in terms of like tight end points per game over the last, I think six years, like Scott left loves to use the tight ends in his offense. I, I think there's a lot of room for fan at that tight end 37, 80 P to like top 20, top 18. Like, I think those are both within his range of outcomes, even better. Like I think he could finish the top 12 tight end. I think there's certainly a path for him to do that. Who uh, we, we've been talking in the CFF Slack uh channel all offseason. You any any quarterback went to the portal, you're like bowling green, bowling green. They did get somebody though. Who did they get? They got Connor Basilek. Okay, all right. Well, did I make that up? Is that right? No, that's that sounds right. I, I wanted to say, um, Basilek was Basilek at Indiana before. Yeah, he was you went Missouri, Indiana, one or two, bowling green. Yeah, I was gonna say, did he have two years at? Bowling Green. Now I don't. Now I don't remember how long he spent at uh, Missouri. 
But yeah, um, either way, power five guy. Yeah, you know, you could do a lot worse at quarterback. I think he could sustain a, a tight end there. I like that call. Yeah, and guess what? Tight ends operate close to the line of scrimmage where Basilak likes to operate. So even even better. There you go. I, I like I actually really like Vanden for CTC leagues too. Um like he I don't think he's a CFF only guy. I think he is big enough and possibly athletic enough, but even if he's not, you're gonna get like four years out of product production out of him anyway. So also a guy I'm taking in CTC leagues. There we go. Uh my tight end, like I said, not as not quite as deep of a cut, but uh it's it's Thomas Yasmin, uh the tight end for Utah. He's no no C2C ADP currently. Uh, CFF at ADP is the tight end 31 ADP of 202.4. Uh, so he's going very late there. Now they do have Brant Keithy. Uh, he's coming back and Brant Keithy will be the tight end one there. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that presuming, presuming health, uh, which he missed pretty much the entire year last year. He got hurt. I think it was like the second or third game. So he'll be about a year removed by the time he gets back. And Utah, who knows what they do with injuries. They're very vague with injuries. I haven't exactly heard what Keithy's injury was. Have you? I don't remember what it was. Maybe I may have heard it at one point and I may have heard just a smokescreen. So like who, who knows with Utah? Um, But yeah, so Thomas Yasmin, the tight end at Utah and it was an ACL injury. It was an ACL. I just, yeah, I just looked it up. There we go. So uh, there we go. There's our, but might take a little bit to come back. I'm just saying. Yeah, it could, it can. Um, so he'll be, by the time the year starts, you know, he'll be still under a year removed from that. Yasmin could, you know, get a, get a jump on it. But even if he doesn't, Utah uses multiple tight ends. Like Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator for Utah is the tight end guru for offensive coordinators. Um, he's done it every place he's been. Uh, that article I was talking about before that uh, Eric Froton over at NBC Sports Edge wrote about CFF tight ends uh, mentions it and breaks down um, his history, Andy Ludwig's history. But even if Keithy does come back in 2021 with Keithy and Dalton Kincaid both healthy, both of them had over 35 catches, over 500 yards, and over they had six or more t- uh, touchdowns each. Keithy went 50, 6, 11, and 6. Dalton Kincaid, 36, 5, 10, and 8. Thomas Yasmin is bigger. Uh, he is 6'5", 248. Keithy's a little smaller. Um, he's a former Australian rugby player. And he was very, very dynamic last year. He only had 13 catches, but he had five catches over 20 yards, three catches over 40 yards. 300 of his 301 yards 195 of them or 64.8% came after the catch. He missed seven, he forced seven missed tackles on those 13 catches. Uh, he was used in line out. He was used in line 49.7% of the time. He was used in the slot 42.9% of the time. So he's used in a variety of different ways. He, <laughs> he had six touchdowns last year, which was one every 2.7 catches. That's not going to be repeatable. Nice. But He's a monster in the red zone. He has dynamic yak ability inside, outside threat. I think this is a guy who can be very productive for your CFF offense. And I think he also has some uh, NFL appeal as well. I think the NFL is going to like him. So I I like Yasmin a lot. I do too. I think he has NFL upside. Um, Nate Marquise pulled this stat. So I want to make sure I credit him on this. But um, 
Only two tight ends of the country last year had multiple 60 plus yard receptions. Brock Bowers, Thomas Yasmin. Ooh, we know, we, we know he's a, an athlete, right? But, but, yeah. and it would make, what is he a fifth year player? Sixth year player? Uh, I think fifth. Yeah. So, but it would make sense though. If you've never played football until you're like 18 years old and you're a rugby player <laughs> your whole career, that it might take you a little bit to adapt to a position that there's a lot of nuances to. I also like Yasmin a lot and I would, I would have put him here, but I'm also in a couple drafts. And so maybe, uh, you know, trying to sneak him, sneak him under the radar, but yeah, I, I, there's room, there's room for two tight ends to be top 12 options in this offense. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I've scooped him up in every supplemental that I've been in so far. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to continue to, to aim for him. I'm probably honestly, the only thing that's going to change is I'm just gonna, after saying this, I'm probably just going to take him a round or two earlier than it would have been. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna have to. This show moves ADP like nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I, I, Austin's not on the show, so we'll see if Austin seems oh. to be the one who influences ADP a little bit more. But that's that's true. Austin says I'm something and now it's the gospel. I'm fine with that though. I, I'm I'm confident in my takes. I'll, I'll stick to my guys. I have Thomas Yasmin as my C two C tight end twenty one. Uh, so I like him a lot, and he is my Devi tight end sixteen. Oh, so I'm very high on him. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, all right. So we ran through one player at each position, talked a lot of CFF here. Let's bring it back up to the Debbie level. Who are, we'll talk two CFF players with underrated Debbie potential. Um, I'll kick it over to you first. And I really like the name that you put down here. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been talking about Michael Pratt having, Debbie potential, I think, kind of all offseason. I just think he's the type of player that teams are going to fall in love with, like the same way they fell in fell in love with Will Levis. Um, this dude just happens to play the G5, and I don't think they're that dissimilar, to be honest. Um, I think people are going to look at Pratt and say, this dude's a gamer. Like, look how he willed his way into that USC win last year. Um, like, running the ball, passing the ball. Like, he made everything happen on that final drive, and I think that's going to stick in the minds of... Um, some executives, but I think he's mostly viewed currently, at least as a um, CFF only asset. I mean, you wrote an article on him. I did at the end of, honorable yeah, mention. yeah, yeah. At the end of end of last week, um, I think he was the first name that I noticed wasn't in the guide. Um, and when you so when you have like almost three hundred players, kind of easy to like for for ha- to have people like just miss based on you know like this dude is a G five quarterback who hasn't been like insanely productive either. Um, but yeah, I really, I really like Michael Pratt. And I think that depending where you're going to get him in drafts, like there's upside there for him to go day two. I'm not saying that because everybody goes day two, like, right. You, yeah, (laughs) but (laughs) Hey, I, I agree with you. I think Pratt has day two potential, uh, which is my slogan. Um, but he had a phenomenal year last year. I mean, he was really the, the catalyst of that offense that went, well, they, you know, the Tulane team that went 12 and two, a Cotton Bowl win over USC. He outdueled Caleb Williams. Um, he had power five interest too. You know, like I heard Notre Dame was sniffing around pretty hard. There are a couple other schools. So I, I, I really like Pratt as well. He's my 40th or he's our 40th ranked um, Devi QB. And actually it might even be a little bit higher than that. Cause I know Mike Valerie is now in on him as well. Um, but I, I I think he has some some day two potential there. Um, like I said, I, I like a lot of uh, his his skill set. 
his physical tools. Uh, I also think he's really smart. Um, he doesn't really make bad decisions with the ball either. Needs to clean up a couple things, but G5 guy, I could see it. So I'm going to go back to the Mountain West for my guy, as promised. Hell yeah, let's go. Mount, this is a Mountain West pod, by the way. This is Mountain West pod. 100%. We are, Campus Life is now a Mountain West podcast. Um, the other guy, it's a CFF only guy that I think has some underrated Debbie potential, Tory Horton, the wide receiver for Colorado State. Uh, he's six foot two, 180 pounds, so he's got good size. Uh, he's, he plays out wide, 81% of his snaps out wide. He's got good speed. He's a good athlete, and he's a good deep threat as well. He caught 53.1% of his deep passes. So, you know, you talked a lot earlier on about how efficient Clay Millen was as a deep passer, and I think Torrey Horton had uh, something to do with that as well. You know, when they had time, they connected deep. I mean, he had all eight of his touchdowns came on deep passes, 756 yards on deep passes, all those stats coming from PFF. Uh, he's also pretty dynamic, too. He returned kicks last year. Uh, the last two years, he's forced 11 and 15 missed tackles. Uh, he absolutely smashed the receiving yards per team pass attempt metric last year, 3.51. Uh, and then even in the his freshman year, Tory Horton's freshman year, um, receiving yards per team pass attempt, 0 0.94, uh, which is very, it's pretty much on the line that we look for uh, on the, the graphs, the magic line of a top 24 wide receiver um for in the nfl purposes and and he did that while playing with romeo dubes who is uh a nfl wide receiver for the packers i think he was a his day three guy i want to say he was around four round five um so he he did it with plenty of per, uh, of other talented wide receivers there and he is the guy last year he's going to be the guy again this year he's gonna smash production wise we talked about it at the beginning to show how colorado state is going to bounce back and if they do, Torrey Horton's going to be a big beneficiary. He seems like the type of guy who's going to go to the Senior Bowl. I think he'll do well there. And like I said, he's he's pretty athletic, so I think he's going to test pretty well. I, I think we're going to hear some some Torrey Horton buzz uh, this offseason, kind of like a Rasheed Rice, Tank Dell type of a guy. I like that call. Um, and I now I don't remember if y'all talked about it on here. I heard somebody else talk about it with, with Horton as well, but... I think he's getting that recognition. Um, and I think he should. I think like I I'm really excited to see. I think he could have like he already had a really solid year last year. Would it surprise you if he had like twelve hundred receiving yards and like ten touchdowns? Not at I all. I don't think so. I mean, I project a massive step forward for this offense. So like part of that is me, but I, I could absolutely see him being like one of the statistically best receivers in the country. So I am very much here for that. Yeah, I think the CFF team. I know they're you guys are very high on him over there. Like you guys, he's a first rounder. Top, yeah, he's a top. Say he's like what top five ish. He might be even higher. 10? I think he's for some of us. He maybe he's wide receiver three behind Malachi okay. Corley and um, uh, that dude from Ohio State. That's pretty good, Marvin Harrison mm -hmm. Jr. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, no Roma Dunze there though. He's better. Uh, than he's Marvin top Harrison. five. Roma Dunze is top five, top seven. To be fair, so. I also I think I have McMillan and Roma Dunes in my top ten or top twelve. So hey, I I'm e I am eating a lot of crow on the um that's not why I came on this show, but I am eating crow <laughs> on the, the Jalen McMillan stuff and Romo Dunes stuff. 
Uh, all right. Well, who is your next uh, CFF only guy who's got some some Debbie potential? December twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. Someone who co-hosts this podcast said, "I'd be pretty shocked if he goes day two. Guess who's getting a bunch of day two buzz right now? That is Antoine Wells Jr. Juice Wells, wide receiver at South Carolina, six one, six foot, two oh seven. That new wide receiver build that the NFL loves so much. He's elusive after the catch. He's great with the ball in his hands. Juice Wells is around four, around five. CFF guy. He's got NFL upside. He's going day two. I legitimately think that he's a round three receiver, if not a round two receiver. I think he's going to have a massive year this year. All the other receiving options are gone, essentially, at South Carolina. He could have 120 targets, and it wouldn't shock me if he had more, even more than that. Going to be heavily involved. I legitimately think that he's a, like, he just has the build that the NFL really likes. I think he's going to go day two, despite what Austin is saying in that tweet. Um, just to name, I'll name names, whatever. Yeah, uh, call them out. In case, call yeah, in out. case it wasn't clear who that was exactly. Um, but and yeah, you knew it wasn't me because I don't tweet. That's yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Um, but but yeah, I I mean I still think he's going to go day two. Uh, Brandon Lejeune had a really great piece on him on his uh, David Dashboard channel as well. A lot of people are talking about him, and I think that that it's deserved. I mean, he transferred up from James Madison and like straight to the SEC and was awesome. Like that's pretty hard to do. And I, I think that as he gets adjusted, we'll keep seeing that there. He, he is not the perfect receiver. He is not somebody who's going to wow with his route running. I think he struggles a little bit get, getting separation, but that's not really his game. And I don't really ever expect it to be good athletic receiver who can make some contested catches and, and do well in space. Like that's who he is. And I, I think that that's a really good profile and someone that I want to invest in and he's going to get a billion targets. So CFF upside is, is certainly there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the rest of the community hasn't quite caught up to where the CFF guys have him. CFF community has him in terms of what the expected production is going to be this year. But they lost South Carolina lost a lot of their running back production, um, so it really wouldn't surprise me if they turn a little bit more pass heavy this year. More probably more out of necessity, but they also have Spencer Rattler, who say what you want about him, he's still a good college quarterback. Uh, and like you said, Juice Wells has that profile that a lot of teams are kind of looking for nowadays the you know quote-unquote Debo Samuel uh profile where he's you know gonna take some some short passes he's a yak guy many many are saying well many are saying Spencer Rattler is saying that Antoine Wells is his Jamar Chase whoa okay. just say he said that coming out of spring said that that's the kind of relationship they have, and that's how the offense wants to use him. Could do worse. Take that, take that for what you want. But yeah, I think uh, Juice Wells. That I, I think he's going under the radar right now as well. Um, I'm not ready to say definitively a day two pick, but I definitely think there is day two potential. Everyone has day two potential. I'm going to say he's a day two pick. Hey, uh, no tattoo, no tattoo bets of- on that one. No tattoo. Saying I know where that, that was going. Confidence. I, I know that where, where that's going. Nope. Nope. I won't. I won't go there. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I I, I could definitely see it. Uh, I'm not going to say no shot like like somebody else uh, might have. But my last guy here that I think has underrated Debbie potential, Preston Stone, quarterback for SMU. 
He is going to be the starter this year with uh, Tanner Mordecai gone. He came in at the end of last year at times uh, before he got hurt. Um, but he was he was fairly productive um, in the in the games that he got in. It was you know really like one start uh, and then some minor uh, other spot work. But he, he offers something in the rushing game as well. He had two rushing touchdowns last year. Um, I, I think he is going to be productive this year for CFF. I think that most people are are kind of uh, on that train uh, that train as well. But I think Stone has some Debbie potential. He's a little short at six foot one. Uh, we've seen short quarterbacks, you know, get taken uh, early lately. So the NFL isn't quite as concerned with height as they used to be. But it is, you know, a, a red a red check on his on his profile. But Stone's mobile. Um, he can get outside the pocket. He can rush for a little bit. Like I said, when he breaks contain though, he does try to keep his eyes downfield. So he's always looking to throw. He's got a good arm. Um, as a passer, he's really good in the short and intermediate areas. He's a little, he overthrows deep receivers. So he's got to work on that. He's got to work on his ball placement a little bit. Um, he he'll take chances on passes. I think we could see a really nice year out of stone this year. And then I think he could get, some late day two, early day three type of buzz. Um, but uh, he's he'll be eligible next year. I think he has another year, though, if he wants it. I think he might have four years, including this year. Four. Redshirt, redshirt in 2021. Oh, yeah. Okay, he only played three games. Played six games last year. Then what? That's three. so he's got three. So he's got three years. Three he's after three, three years after left. this one. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think he's. I don't think he's declaring after this one. But in two years, yeah. like, I mean, and he's also he's six one, but he's not like one eighty five like Bryce Young. He's like right. six he's one in like two ten two two fifteen ish. Yeah. So he's. I I just wrote his profile up for our CFF guide uh, two days ago yesterday. Um, I have pretty nice things to say about him as well. I I like him as a player. I think he's a pretty good dual threat. Yeah, and he's he's the highest rated uh, recruit in the modern era for SMU. Obviously, we're not counting the pony post, excess and <laughs> post death penalty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was a pretty highly rated recruit as well. So I mean, I, he had he had offers from like all the blue bug. Yeah, so, like he just went to SMU. Yeah, he's from Dallas, I think. So he went to like yeah. a smaller school there, like Paris Episcopal or something like that. Um, he was in like the the private school division in Texas. Yeah, but I mean, he's people really like him, and he's definitely gonna be better than than um, Tanner Mordecai was last year. Mordecai was kind of a disaster at times, so I I think Stone will be better at least. Yeah, yeah. If Stone hadn't gotten hurt, I think he would have kept that job until the end of the year. I don't think he would have given it back to Mordecai once he took it over. Yeah. Um. Right. That is gonna do it for us here. Tonight, talking a lot more CFF than we normally do, but I think that was needed. I think it was needed. It is campus life. I'm right. I'm just saying, like we we don't talk about Honolulu a whole lot or San Jose State a whole lot. Yeah, a lot of Mountain West talk. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how. I don't. I honestly don't know how that happened. It was not intentional. (laughs) But again, we are we are will we're will. I mean, I don't want to speak for the other co-host who's not here, but I, I think we're willing to become the official representative of the Mountain West pot, the Mountain West, if, you know, for a small fee here and there. Call us mm-hmm. Gloria Navarez. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm on record saying I'm a shill. I will uh, yeah. I'll support just about anything that pays me. So. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And we don't even need much, you know, just, just let us go to some games. That's all I ask for. That'd be cool. I don't, fly, need, I don't fly, need financial compensation. Fly camp scan out to Hawaii for a handful of home games this year. And we're set. Yeah. I don't even have to go all the way to Hawaii. I'll go to, I'll go to San Jose. I'll go to uh, San Diego or, or they're not, no, they're not in the PAC 12 yet. Right. I don't even know if they officially got asked to go to the Pac-12. Okay, okay. I know and there's the rumor. rumor floating around. Okay, but yeah, there's still Mountain West. I'll, I'll go to San Diego. Yeah, I mean Fre- Fresno. I'll go to Fresno. Uh, mm-hmm. Watch watch a couple games. Uh, we're easily we're easily influenced. Very flexible. So so just give us a call. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's gonna do it for us here tonight, Chris. Appreciate you coming on and filling in for Austin while he is away on his yacht. Uh, he is not going to be back. For Canton Bound, Q Shocked Face. Uh, I will have a guest uh, coming on for that one as well. Um, so, so st- and it's not a C2C person. It's uh, somebody outside of Campus to Canton. So st- stay tuned for that. But uh, stay tuned to the rest of the podcast on the channel here as well. We got Chase and the Natty on Mondays, Campus Life on Tuesdays as you're listening to this. Back to Debbie coming out on Wednesdays. Debbie Debate Thursdays, Canton Bound, and Future Freshmen on Fridays. Uh, and then we got the official dropping on Saturday. So we got something for you every single day. But until next time, I'm Colin. This is Chris. And have a good one.